Come back, Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Well, I tell you, um, I, as a dad of a 15-year-old and a 10-year-old, um, every once in a while, I, I'll, I'll step back and I'll wonder, am I, am I doing things right? Am I saying what needs to be said? Have I had the right conversations at the right time? Am I making sure I'm leaning into tough topics? And, and sometimes you can, uh, s when you think about it, you start saying, oh, I don't know. And you get worried and, and uh, you just, just, you're looking for a little sign here and there, little glimpses of hope that what you're saying isn't hitting the, uh, the ceiling and just dropping, but you're really, you know, making an impact. And the, some, one of the reasons why I love Facebook is now they, they do those reminder pictures that, you know, one year ago you posted this or two years ago it was this or whatever. And, and uh, just when I was thinking this morning as I was putting the, the, the kind of the final touches on today's message, I was thinking, you know, how am I doing? Uh, popped up right on my Facebook uh, a picture that just reminded me, okay, I must be, I must be doing, I must be doing okay as a dad because this was, uh, this was the picture that came up from two years ago. Uh, when you go to the library during summer, you may not read a book, but you get to take a great picture picking the nose of a statue. So, yes, I'm doing my job as a dad. I, that, that's, that's what happened. Uh, I called my dad this morning, wished him a happy Father's Day. I'm fortunate to still have him on this side of eternity, and, and uh, he made a, a great impression and still continues to make a great impression on my life. I know that's not the case all across the board here in Lufkin, there at Dieball and Duncan. Some, uh, that's not been your experience. It's been a hard road, or maybe you don't even know that road. Um, I'm speaking from my experience, and I hope that today's message, although there is a flair and a lean into fathers, I want you to know that uh, I always try to provide something that can be applied no matter where you are, whether you're a teenager in the room, whether you're a great-grandpa or grandma, whether you didn't have the kind of dad that you wanted to, or you, you, you are doing what you feel like you need to be doing, I think the Word of God's going to help each and every one of us right where we are, no matter where uh, we are. I was talking to my dad this morning, and I said, hey, dad, what are some of the, so this isn't just me telling on dad, this is dad actually repeating back to me. I said, what were some of the statements you made all the time, like, you know, to, to us kids? And he had some positive ones, but the, here's what was interesting. It was the crazy ones that, that stood out more than just the positive ones. And, and so here were some of the most popular statements that my dad remembers and that I remember vividly him saying. One was definitely this, I'm not mad, I'm frustrated. So his kids would say, Dad, why are you so mad at us? I'm not mad. Like for some reason he thought that being mad was like ungodly, but being frustrated to where you want to kick, some, kick a door open, you know, that's okay. That's okay. He's like, I'm not mad. I'm frustrated. He would say beautiful things like, don't make me stop this car. I will turn this car around. You will not go to Disneyland. Here's another one. If you pester your brother one more time. You also say pestering is when two people are having fun. We were just playing. I was just playing. And when you're slapping him in the back trying to make a red whelp, that's not playing. That's pestering. Here's another one. If you fart in this car one more time. And that wasn't even us as, as kids. That was Christmas and he was talking to Janet. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ish. I'm kidding ish. I gotta find I, I can't tell that story. Here's another one. Do you want your teeth in your mouth or in your pocket? Now, now that one wasn't all the time. That was just if you were sassing mom. 
Dad never raised a violent hand to us, but, but if you wanted to get on his King Kong side, then, then sass mama. Uh, I didn't tell this in first service, but there was, we, we, we like to see dad get a little frustrated every once in a while. It was fun, and, and, and just as long as he didn't really come unglued. And, and uh, if you can imagine that, that my dad is sitting here in the dining room, and he's paying bills. And down the hallway this way were the bedroom doors. And my mom and dad's bedroom, master bedroom door was right here. And I had walked down. Dad could see me from the hallway. And, and uh, so, so he could see me down the hallway. And I had knocked on the door, and I had opened it. And my mom was just, like, folding laundry on, on the, the bed. And I don't know what came over me. Um, I, I just, I whispered to her. I said, hey, go along with me. Go along with me. And she goes, okay. And so I made the noise, you know, knocking on the door, and I opened it up. I said, Mom, you're naked. And my mom said, shut the door. And I said, she's not naked. She's just standing there folding laundry. And, and, and I saw out of the corner of my eye my dad go like this. And I'm, so I'm standing there, and I just want to get under dad's skin. And she goes, I'm naked. Shut the door. And I said, well, I've seen you naked before. It's not a big deal. I mean, hey, you're looking pretty good. And my dad, I have never seen a chair like across the living room. And he starts, he gets two feet in and I know he ain't joking around. I literally, I take the pasta, I go, I was kidding. I was kidding. I was kidding. Mom runs out, I'm fully clothed. And then what was beautiful about it was like he was mad at, at my mom. <laughs> I got off the hook. He's like, Karen, don't do those things to me. Why are you so mad? I'm not mad. I'm frustrated. <laughs> oh. Here's one you may have all heard, were you born in a barn? You know, you leave the door open, you let out that cold air, were you born? in a barn, and my quick comeback as a wise guy was, no, but Jesus was. <laughs> Jesus was born in a barn, Dad. Is that not too, is that, is not good enough for you? But you know, you think about all the relationships that you see that are solid, uh, relationships that aren't, and some that you've experienced firsthand on both sides of the, of the spectrum. Uh, you look through the Bible and you see strong relationships with Father, Son, and you see not so strong relationships. You see, uh, uh, you see David, man after God's own heart, that actually struggled with his children. Uh, the, the king before him, Saul, struggled with his son, Jonathan. Uh, you, you, you see Noah struggled with his sons. Uh, Abraham had a beautiful relationship with his son Isaac, but even then uh, there had to be a lot of faith involved in that. Uh, when God had called Abraham to see how much he was going to trust the voice of God. But the greatest, really, father-son relationship all throughout Scripture, the one that we can lean on, uh, all of them are important and all of them give us life lessons, but the one that is solid for every single day is the relationship that God the Father has with his son, Jesus. When he takes on the flesh, and for, for a season of 33 years plus, he's in the flesh, uh, he is becoming 
the sacrifice for humanity. And we see this, this father-son relationship unfold before our very eyes. And it's beautiful because there's human reality to it on one side, but it's completely divine on the other. And if you're taking notes today, uh, there, there are a couple of places where the father speaks audibly about Jesus. Now, they, Jesus would get us uh, away by himself and would pray. We would talk with his father, and we don't know those we don't know what they exchanged. We don't know what they were talking about. We don't know how that went down. But there were two places in the Bible where we hear God audibly speak, not just to his son, but to speak out so everybody else can hear what he's saying to his son. So the father speaks audibly about Jesus twice. The first place is at Christ's baptism. This, this is uh, Jesus is 30 years old. Up, in this, up until this point, he has been living an anonymous life for the most part. Uh, he's kind of known around town as Father's Son Cabinet Shop. And he's just been helping out with his dad, saw, uh, sweeping up sawdust in his daddy's cabinet shop. And it's not until he begins to set, step onto the stage of human history and he begins to move into his ministry that he goes to the Jordan River. He's baptized by uh, John. And as he comes up out of the water, we hear God speak audibly, publicly about his son for the first time. And here's where we read in Matthew 3. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. It was like it. It wasn't like a, a dove, but it, was, it, it wasn't a dove. It was just like that. There was a sense of like this descending spirit upon him. And along with that spirit, a voice, and here's where God speaks. This is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. Those are the first words we hear audibly, publicly, God speaking about his only begotten son. And then about three and a half years later, we hear God speak again publicly and audibly. And this is at the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, the Mount of Transfiguration, it's not, that's not the name of the mountain. That's just that's what happened on the mountain. It was when Jesus was walking with some of the disciples up a mountaintop. And as he was walking, uh, Jesus began to be glorified. There was something tangibly in the flesh that the disciples could see. His face began to shine and radiate. It, it, was, it was almost like he was uh, glowing. And in this moment... Two of like the American idol, the Hebrew idols show up, Moses and Elijah, and they're, they're there. And it's, and it's a signal. What it is, is a signal of like fulfillment. Moses brought law. Elijah brought the voice of God. And, and they're like conversing together. We don't know what they're saying to each other. But it's almost as Jesus is saying, hey, you guys remember way back in the day when we were talking about all this was going to happen? This is the, it's about ready to be fulfilled because he was going to be going to the cross and resurrecting soon. Now, Peter was along for that journey, and Peter, he was always the loud man. He was always the big talker. He was, you know, the guy, you, you, anybody got a friend that you say one thing, and they say, oh, well, yeah, well, I did it this way. Well, yeah, well, I did it this way. <laughs> and, and they always want to, like, one-up you. Peter's the one-upper. He's like the one-upper. And so here Moses and Elijah and Jesus are having this conversation. Oh, man, man, remember when the sea parted? Woo, I was watching for that. It was crazy. And Elijah's like, oh, man, caught up in a whirlwind. Jesus is like, I know. And Peter's like, hey, guys, hi, 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 hi. Don't mean to break it up here, but what if I built some tents for y'all? 
And he started to talk about he wants to build tents up on that mountain. And you can stay here and we'll all party and we'll sing kumbaya. And the Bible literally says that in the middle of Peter's speaking, God interrupts Peter. That's what's beautiful. Uh, and, and here's where we see what happened. Just then, as he was speaking, a light radiant cloud enveloped them. From deep in the cloud, a voice. And this is the voice of God again. It sounds similar from what he said at the very beginning. This is my son, marked by my love. And he adds this caveat from the first time. He says, listen to him. So in these very simple, very small, very succinct moments of God speaking audibly to his son where we all could hear and it's recorded for human history. Um, here's what's beautiful about it. Write it down. Jesus heard what every child needs to hear, what everyone needs to hear. Jesus heard what everyone needs to hear. And I know that in this room, there's some you have not heard what you're still waiting to hear from somebody. And there's also some of you that, that, to be honest, because it wasn't modeled, or maybe because there's been some challenge or some kind of block here, you're not saying what someone else needs to hear. And oh, that God would help us in his example to his own son know how to hear what we need to hear from the right places and how we can say what we need to say to the right people. Amen? So let's break this down right there in your notes. There's a few statements in these two. And the first is this, this is my son. And, and when, when God speaks to Jesus, this is my son, did Jesus need to know that? No, but there's still some kind of, there's still some kind of reaffirmation even when they know it, it's always nice to say it. Because this is my son. And here, what, here's what those words instill in someone who's, who's human. Jesus was completely divine, but also he had humanity's side. And he's an example to you and I that I belong. There's a, there's a belonging that God showed. There's a connectivity, a relational ownership here of, 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 of parental and sonship. And he shows, I belong. And you know what that does? You know what that instills in somebody? It places identity in someone. If we're ever living in a day where people are struggling with identity, struggling with who they are, what, what, what difference do I make? Where do I fit in? What am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to feel? How am I supposed to love? How, where, where am I in all this? There is something about belonging. We're living in a day and age where there are so many children growing up in a place that they don't know if they belong or not. It's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. And we need to be able to instill with the right words, you belong. It's one thing we say around here when we say welcome home. Some people, when, they say, when we say welcome home, we've got different, different uh, signs that will hold on the thing. One of the signs says, you belong here. We want you to know that no matter what you're coming in with, you may bring some baggage with you. Guess what? We all got some baggage, okay? I'd say we all got some junk in the trunk, and I mean that in more ways than one. But, but we all got some junk in the trunk. We all got issues, okay? And I've said it before, i say it again. In fact, somebody uh, in our church made me a shirt that says it. It says, it's, it's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. 
and, and, and maybe you felt like, man, where do I fit? I want you to know that if you're here and you're a guest today or you've been dipping your toe in the water, you've been kicking the tires over the last few weeks or so, you belong here. This is a place where you can start right where you are and, and, and take steps to where God wants you to be. Identity is a, a huge deal. Here's another one. He says, chosen and marked by my love. This, this says to his son and it says to all of us, I am loved. I, I am loved. When someone doesn't feel loved, people will do all kinds of things, say all kinds of things, uh, travel anywhere, do anything, lower standards, you name it, just to make sure they feel like someone loves them. And I want you to know the creator of the cosmos loves you, loves you. The same way he loves his son, he loves you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And this love shows value. You know what? I don't want to wait till some dude, some buster, as Pastor Stephen Courtney would say. Like, Pastor Stephen Courtney is one of the nicest man men I've ever met in my life. If you don't know him, you need to know him. Your life will be better if you know him. And, and like, he was upset about something one time in a staff meeting. And, and he's just got to sit like, Pastor Stephen upset? Like, what in the world? This, the, the, the world is, the, the sky is falling, okay? And, and, and he said something, and, and Pastor Stephen just went, that buster. <laughs> we all just got to look at it. That's it? Well, you're amazing. You're amazing. That buster. What a great, what a great guy. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to wait for that buster to show up and start saying things to my 15-year-old daughter that makes her feel valuable. I'm not going to wait for some dude to show up and sweep her off her feet. I swept her off her feet a long time ago. I'm going to keep sweeping her off her feet. And so when some guy with a slick car and a cool, and a, and a cool picture and a neat post and some kind of story in Snapchat or whatever it might be, I don't know what you call it, Snapchat, Twit, Facebook, Insta, whatever, somebody starts getting some smooth talk to my girl She's not, she's not going to say, oh, my gosh, I've never felt this way before. She's going to say, my, dad, my dad's talked nice and, and shown me value all my, all, um, since I was a baby. You, you, you better do better than that. That's, that's value. That's value. I hope you all have your windows rolled up. <laughs> Moving on. Delight of my life. Listen to him. See, all you dads, you showed up to church. You said, we're going to come to church on Sunday. And all those dads, you went to the lake instead. <laughs> I dropped the mic one time and it broke, so I can't. I got to be a good steward with the finances around here. So, <laughs> delight of my life. Listen to him. You know what this means? Like, listen to him, delight of my life. Not just, not just a son, but there's delight here. I'm special. Now, I know we're living in a day and age where everybody gets a dadgum trophy. But there's also something about reminding our kids and reminding people in our life, whether they're in the home or not, you are special. You're valued. You are loved. There's greatness in you. There's gold in them there. Hills. You can do this. I believe in you. And I know that one of the, one of the biggest pastimes, and I can lean into this, is, is comedy that is, that is sarcastic. 
and saying things that are sarcastic to our kids just to kind of, I'm joking around with you. And that, be silly, be fun. We have a great time. But also, don't forget to instill the, the, the purpose, the purpose, way beyond, way beyond the job. You know, like, we want, we want our kids to do well in school, not just, just so they can get into that specific, like, it's got to be beyond college. It's got to be beyond the job. It's got to be, your purpose is way beyond the salary. We, we, our words instill that, that purpose. So, what's the result of all this? What's the result of a son who hears these words? From his father. What, what, what's the result of a child that hears these words from someone in authority, someone uh, that is important to them? Well, here's what we see that happened in Jesus. There was an amazing trust in his father. There was a trust in his father. Yes, Jesus was the son of God, divine, one in three, God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but also the humanity side of, of Jesus. There was a trust that his father was there, that his father was with him. And we see this begin to, we, we begin to see this unfold. Uh, in John chapter 5, Jesus says, he explained himself at length. I'm telling you this straight. The son can't independently do a thing, only what he sees the father doing. You know how you build trust? They see you doing things. The, Jesus saw his father doing things, and it built trust. And there, what the father does, the son does. There was, a, there was an inclusion. There was a togetherness. It's one thing to watch dad work. It's another thing to work with dad. It's one thing to see dad do this. It's another thing to partner together. And they, what the father does, the son does. The father loves the son and includes him in everything he is doing. Trust was built with example and Inclusion. You know, I've said it like this in marriage month last year, but let me just lay it down for you again. Love is, a pro is the, the byproduct of all kinds of other characteristics in a relationship, okay? Love isn't what you start with. It's really what's produced. And so if you were to think of a wedding cake, the, the top of the cake is love. And then after love is intimacy. And then before you can really understand true intimacy, there's got to be real relationship. Without, you can't have relationship unless you have respect for one another. But all of that is built on trust. So let me, let me reverse it for you. Trust is the foundation of everything. If trust isn't there, you don't get anything else. Trust builds respect. Respect builds relationship. When you become relatable and have relationship, you can build intimacy. And then intimacy, the cherry on top, is love. Because love is a choice based on all these other things. Hey, Graham, come help me out real quick. Graham is my boy, and uh, he got... Uh, He's 10 years old. Say hi to everybody. Hello. And uh, Graham's uh, in baseball right now. A couple of days ago, he's doing a scrimmage. Show him your cheek. He got, it's, it's unswollen now, but it, he got hit by a fastball at the batter's, in the batter's box. Thank God Janet wasn't there because she, she would have just, she would have beat up the pitcher. I'm telling you. Beat up, it would have been a brawl at the Hudson Ball Field. 
but dad was there and I try, had to figure out how to be, you know, the side of mom that's like, oh, my precious baby, oh my God. And also like, all right, suck it up, be a man, you got this man, you know, spit out that tooth, let's go. And, and uh, what made it worse is he's got, you know, a mouthful of metal, some incredible braces, but uh, he uh, had his braces all stuck in his cheek and everything. It, it was a mess. Um, but anyway, the, uh, I want you to do something for me. We did this first service, so now you already know. But I want you to, you're going to trust me on this? All right. So I want you just to lay me, just lay down right here like you did. Did I not teach you anything? It wasn't like that. Remember, it was the other way around. Remember, your head was over there. <laughs> Come on, hustle. We don't got all day. We don't got all day. This sermon ain't going to preach itself. All right, here we go. So I'm going to. Trust me? Yes. Okay. So I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna fall, but this is a reverse trust fall. Okay? I'm gonna fall. Don't put your hands up. I'm gonna catch myself. Okay, I'm gonna catch myself, but, but don't don't stop me. Alright, you ready? Now if my elbow comes out of socket, I can't can't be responsible. You're gonna love me anyway? Yeah. Say it out loud, you love me? I love you. Alright, okay, here we go. Alright, so. You ready? Jesus, please. Ah! You don't have to pray to Jesus on this. You didn't hear him. He said, Jesus, please. Here we go. You ready? Oh. oh. Good job, buddy. Give him a hand. He trusted me. All right. I love you, too. All right. That's my boy. We're taking applications for ladies. Five years, six, seven, tw 12 years from now. Okay. Trust is critical. The Bible, one of the most popular scriptures in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You could fill that blank in with trust, all kinds of things. You know, just pray to the Lord with all your heart. Uh, give, go to church with all your heart. But you can go to church and really not be trusting him. Trusting is when you trust his hands, that he's going to do what he said he's going to do, that, you, that you, can, you can release and really offer it to the Lord. Number two, a confidence to face difficulties. When a child hears the right things, there's something that is birthed in them. And can I just say to you right now, uh, this is scientifically proven now. For every negative word... Uh, we tend to need seven encouraging words. The Bible is full of places where we are to encourage one another. We don't need more discouragement. We don't, we don't need your, 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 your stupid, petty, little uh, criticism on Facebook. What people need are encouraging words. You know, somebody used to say, if you can't say anything nice, like don't say anything at all. Those people forgot that that are on Facebook and we got we got we're just everybody wants to put a word in edgewise it makes no sense like be an encourager everyone be an encourager to people and these words of God the Father they built courage and confidence in the Son of God we see this happen right before he's to be arrested because we know that Jesus is going to face some excruciating realities in a few hours. And just that night before he's arrested, we pick up the story at the Passover. And here, just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come 
to leave this world to go to the Father. He knew that something was about to happen. He knew what was going to, it was revealed to him. He didn't do anything that God had not already shown him that was going to happen. He knew the cross was coming. And it was supper time, and Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything. Okay, now listen to this. He knows he's put him in complete charge of everything. There's authority, there's leadership, there's confidence. He came, he knew where he had come from. He knew where he was going. There was value, there was identity, there was purpose, and he had confidence to face difficulties. Look at me in the eyes, everyone. Listen to me, Dieball. Listen to me, Duncan. No single person on the face of the planet will ever be exempt from difficulty. You will face difficult times. And one person's difficulty may seem insurmountable when the other one would, would be a mountain compared to their molehill. But nobody is exempt from difficulty. And because he knew whose he was and where he was going and the purpose that was instilled in him by God his Father... He was able to pray, oh, this cup feels like it's heavy. Take it from me. No, no, no. Not my will. Yours be done. Trust and confidence in his Father. You know what else we see that was, that was in Jesus that, that, that every son or daughter should hear from a leader in their life? And that is, he, he, the result was a humility earmarked by servanthood. There was a humility, and he is competent, and he knows he is in complete charge. That's what the Bible just said. That scripture said he, he knew he was in, God had left him in completely in charge. And so what does he do to be completely in charge? See, bosses around here, completely in charge, might have to push the door open and say, I'm in charge around here. What I say goes. If you don't like it, then you can just leave it like that. That's a completely in charge. But Jesus doesn't stand up at the Last Supper and say, don't forget who's in charge around here, boys. No, Here's what he does, knowing he's completely in charge. John 13, he gets up from the supper table. He sets aside his robe, and he put on an apron. Now, look at those action steps. Got up from, set aside, and put on. Let me just talk to the men for a moment, the dads. There are times... Uh, where I get so busy or I'm so enthralled in what I'm reading on my phone, my, my kids have said, it's like when you have your phone in your hand, you ignore us. That's hard to hear. There are things that sometimes I got to get up from. There's some things that I got to set aside. And there's certain attitudes and actions I got to put on. Do I have the energy to put them on? Sometimes no. Do, do I have the desire to get up from sometimes? Nope. Do I want to set it aside? Not really. I kind of earned this time. I want some me time. But oh, that we would figure out the formula for knowing when to get up from some stuff that isn't near as important as the most important stuff, to set aside some things that aren't near as important as some other things, and to put on the right attitude and the right the, the, the right shoes for the right task. Are you with me this morning?
Because here's what he does. He sets aside, he gets up from, he puts on an apron, and then he pours water into a basin and begins to wash the feet of his disciples, drying them with his apron. The dirtiest part of the disciples. Years ago when my daughter was small and in KidWorks Junior over there called Little Sprockets, they were throwing a ball around a, a, a circle and they were saying, what are you afraid of? And they would throw the ball and, and, and they would catch the ball and, and the kid would say, the dark. And they would throw the ball to their friend and they would say, I'm afraid of monsters under the bed. And someone would throw the other ball. And it got to my daughter and my daughter caught it. She goes, I'm afraid of my daddy's armpits. And she, she, just, she just went on, just threw it. And Miss Tammy Joe was like, the teacher at the time was like, what? Oh, yeah, he chases me around the house with his armpit. It's disgusting. I ain't going to lie. That was fun. Seeing the kids run, just, ah, they didn't. I caught, I'd catch them, and i just put my armpit right on their head. It was so great. As disgusting as that is, can you imagine the disciples' feet from having walked all day, having been through fields? We're not talking about paved streets here, folks. We're talking about dirty, and yet Jesus sets aside, gets up from he has complete charge, and he's know what's about ready to happen, and he shows unbelievable servanthood. The Bible says Jesus is like a, a lion, but he's not a lion. He's not like a Wizard of Oz over here, look like a lion. He's a lion because he's powerful, and there's strength in his hands, and, and there's majesty in his voice. He's like a lion, but he's not a lion. Jesus is the light of the world, but he's not like, uh, you know, illuminating He's not a vague electrical current running through some kind of filament. No, he's the light, but he's not a light. He's like a light. He illuminates pathways for people. He shows us, he, he, he defeats darkness by just being in the room. He's light, but he's not light. But when the Bible in Philippians says he took the very nature of a servant, he wasn't just like a servant. He was a servant. And I'm inviting all of you to learn how to lead with authority and be completely in charge and be a servant. Those are not mutually exclusive. You can be the boss and show a beautiful humility through servanthood. Finally, um, as the uh, ushers are in the lobby building the ark that's going to help you get out of the parking lot today. Number four. A clear understanding of real love. Now, everybody, look. We, we, the, the, the rain, you can hear that almost stronger than you can hear me. If you can't hear it, Duncan and Dieball, the floodgates have opened around here and it's pouring down rain here in Lufkin today. Here's what I want to say to you. A clear understanding of real love was instilled in the Son of God. I want to go back to that first time God publicly speaks about His Son. Look, look, look. This is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. Do you know when he said that? Right there at his baptism, all he had done, all he had done has been dipped in the water and had come out. And in that moment before he could even dry off and go to the wilderness, 
God speaks about how pleased he is. Before he ever turned water into wine, before he ever preached a sermon, before he ever raised the dead, before he ever spat in the dirt and made mud and made a blind man who had never seen before see, before he had healed people, before he had seen people saved and set free from all kinds of oppression and attacks and demonic activity, before he could do anything to earn the love of his father, the father said, you don't have to earn anything. You're just my son. You're my son. I'm pleased with you. You're the delight of my life. And for you, look, I know, like, that there's something about it. Like, I, I know my dad loves me, but I want to make my dad proud. I want to make him proud. And so sometimes what we do is we try and, we try and do some things to earn some stuff. And that's an earthly thing. God's not waiting for you to earn anything. He loves you. He loves you. You're loved. You belong. You're special. And I think of this story that Jesus shares about a son who wanted inheritance. And he goes to his dad. He's the younger son. And he says, Dad... I've been thinking about this. I want my side of the money. I want my side of the estate. I know you're not dead yet, but I want to go live. I got this idea. I'm going to make this thing. I'm going to do this thing. I want to live my life. You don't even understand. I can't, I can't just deal with the pressure here. You don't even know, man. You don't even know. Just give me my money. I want my money. I want it now. Like now, Dad. And the father didn't pop him in the mouth. The father gives him his inheritance. Okay? And he, he wastes it. He catches a first-class flight to Las Vegas. He's blowing it all on high stakes, gambling and rolling it on, putting it all on Red 22. And he's got a ride for a while. He's, he's, he's just living it up in the penthouse suite, but his luck turns and he loses everything and he's kicked out of the hotel and he's finding himself having to eat scraps out of the dump behind the Bellagio. And he comes to his senses and says, ah, even the slaves in my dad's home work better than this. They eat better than this. And so he concocts a plan. If I go back home, he's already, he's already just made the assumption. He's not going to, uh, uh, maybe he'll let me stay in the servants' quarters. So he's thinking through his, his, his statement. He's thinking through, dad. Thank you for, I'm sorry. Like he's, he's, he's rehearsing it in the mirror before he gets, he gets to the front of the driveway. And as he walks down the driveway to the house, he's shocked because he doesn't even make it to halfway down the driveway and the porch screen busts open and his dad isn't standing there with arms crossed. Well, I knew you'd waste it. Well, I hope you had a good time. I don't know why you're coming back here. Because in that kind of culture, if you did that to your, your family, you were, you were severed. In that culture, you weren't going to come back. See, God was trying to show us, Jesus was teaching us, that's not the culture I'm creating for you. I'm not, I'm not a creating just a, a one and done. I'm, I'm going to show you a grace culture. And the father in the story busts through the screen door and runs down and grabs his son. And his son starts trying to say, I'll be a servant. I, I, I'll stay in the servant's quarters behind the barn. I, I, he's, like, he's like, my son, my son, he's not, my son's come home. And he's snapping his fingers. And people like, you know, Beauty and the Beast, be our guest, be our guest. 
they're running around. They got a robe. They've got, they, they, they've got, he, he takes off his own ring, puts a ring on his finger. And he's like, no, no, dad, you don't understand. I'll just, I'll just be a, a servant. He says, what? what? No, this is celebration. Get, you know that calf we were going to save for a rainy day, like, like today? We were going to save for a rainy day. You go get that, go get that animal. The one that's got all that awesome filet mignon just growing on its hind. Oh, yeah, baby, that one. We're going to make some. We're going to have ribeye tonight. And they slaughter the fatted calf. And there's no, there, there is no, there is no second class citizen in the kingdom of God. He says, you didn't do anything to earn this. You're my son chosen and marked by my love delight of my life and that is God for you too it's not just God for his own son it's God for you too so you messed up maybe you're late to the game this morning when I called my dad he's been a uh, a district superintendent over the Assemblies of God churches in Kansas for 20 years. Just celebrated 20 years. And when I called him, he said, oh, son, I'm so glad you called. And I said, happy Father's Day, Dad. You love you. So glad we have a strong relationship. He said, oh, son, my son. He always said, oh, son, my son. Whenever he's in town, he'll, I'll be driving somewhere just out of nowhere. He'll, just, he'll grab the side of my, my arm like this and he'll just, oh, I just love you, son. I just love you. I'm so glad you're mine. You're mine. You know what that is? Identity. It just reminds, even at almost 40 years old, he's saying to me, you're my boy, you're my boy. But he said to me this morning, he said, first time in 20 years, my alarm didn't go off. I'm supposed to be three hours away from home preaching for, for someone for Father's Day. And their first service starts at eight o'clock. They have an eight o'clock, a 1030 and a noon. Like we have multiple services here. And he said, I'm in the car right now. I'm rushing to get there, but I'm, but I'm also trying to be diligent with my speed. I'm like, Dad, if there's ever a time, speed, like if you get stopped, you can tell the, you can tell the police officer, because he's, he's going to preach for, for my brother, who's a pastor. He said, my son, it's Father's Day. I'm supposed to preach for him. I slept in. I'm his dad. Will, will you let me off? I said, surely if they don't let you off, they've got father issues. So just like go. He said, no, no, no. I'm going to keep it at 65, son. You know. You know how I taught you. <laughs> Whatever. But he said, oh, I'm late, I'm late, and I hate being late. And I said, well, at least you're on the road. He said, yeah, my GPS says I'm going to make it by 828. I'm going to be 28 minutes late. They're going to sing two extra songs during worship, and I'm going to walk right in and preach. I want to say to you this morning, maybe you feel late on what you, what you should have said. You feel late on, on showing the right things. Just show up today start showing up now break the chains of yesterday settle yesterday and start today you've been trying to earn that love of somebody that just won't reciprocate start today knowing you are loved by the creator of the universe you don't have to earn anybody's love he loves you just as you are he loves you so much that if you wanted to go this whole life and not love him back, he'll, he'll let you do that. If you want to go to eternity and, 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 and not love him here, he won't force you to be around him in eternity. 
He loves you so much that he's not going to force himself on you. He loves you. And I want you to know you are not a slave and not a second-class citizen in the house of God. If you got regrets, if you've made mistakes, if you showed up late to the party, God says, you're my son, you're my daughter, chosen and marked by my love. Would you pray with me this morning? With your eyes closed and heads bowed, if you're here today, and number one, first and foremost, you need to know the love of the Father because you have been trying to do things on your own, or maybe there's just been this challenge between loving God with your heart, mind, and soul. But today you'd like to either reaffirm that commitment or for the first time say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I'm not going to belabor it, but if that's you, would you just put a hand up in the, I need to reaffirm my relationship with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, hey, Jesus sees your hands. Jesus sees your hands. He's not, he's not rolling out a scroll of lists that you did wrong. He, he, he's waiting to just wipe the slate clean today. In your own words, if you'd like to just start or restart a relationship with Jesus here, there at Duncan and Dieball, you'd simply say it like this. Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of the stuff I've done that it wouldn't be what you've called me to be. Doing what you've not, you don't want me to do, I know. Thank you for loving me and also thank you for showing me where I need to follow you. I give my life to you today my next steps to you today thank you for loving me just as i am and now i want to become more like you i want to follow you i, I want to see how you do it i want to i want i want to be in partnership with you and, and become who you've called me to be thank you jesus for everybody in the room that either you need to hear the words that jesus heard from god or you need to say those words that, that Jesus heard from God. Father, I pray that today we would settle yesterday and we would walk today knowing you're the example. May we take today and make the most of this moment, make the most to say what our sons and daughters need to hear, to say what needs to be heard of people in our life that need an encouragement today. Bless those words. Your, your word says in Proverbs that Words are, are like fruit. They can be poisonous or they can be beautiful. We choose. So we're choosing today to allow beautiful, encouraging words to flow out of our mouths and to build one another up. And we ask all these things in the strong name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Come on, would you put your hands together for those who made a decision today to begin to take next steps with Jesus.